Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope X prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, Lottie Dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing? I am doing well, James. How about you? I am doing well. I am seeing some baseball activities currently in front of me in uh, Lake Elsinore. I am podcasting. uh, Gosh, I guess this is the first time that we've ever podcasted on the road, right? Um, Media Day uh, at the Lake Elsinore Storm. I am currently watching Rudy Heron take batting practice. Uh, Hudson Potts and Brad Zunica are also in his hitting group. So uh, it's pretty exciting being here and, and seeing these young kids in person. Yeah, man, my minor league season's right around the corner, and uh, looking forward to seeing all our prospects, you know, playing well. Yep, yep, definitely. The Storm roster is out. Uh, well, actually, you want to go through Fort Wayne first? Let's try to do this in kind of a little bit of an order if we can. Yeah, let's talk about Fort Wayne. Um, about 500 starting pitchers, it seems like, on that roster. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, really. Obviously, Mackenzie Gore is the big one, but I, I don't really know how that rotation is going to shake out when you have – so many guys that, I mean, started last year and probably have long-term starting potential. I mean, you got Mason Thompson, Ben Sheckler, uh, Nick Mar- Margavicious, Aaron Leisher, Osvaldo Hernandez, Henry Henry, obviously Gore, Tom Cosgrove. Uh, there's just a lot, a lot of guys on that list. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how that shakes out in terms of uh, innings being passed around for all of them. Yeah, for sure. And then and then you have uh, Baez and Paddock. Uh coming uh, up shortly in, in Arizona in a little bit of extended period. Um, both might end up in Lake Elsinore. Uh, I think Baez will probably end up in Lake Elsinore. I don't know about Paddock. Um, I would assume that he'd end up here as well. But, yeah, that pitching staff in Fort Wayne is going to be exciting. Uh, I'm excited to see that young outfield of uh, Tierso Ornelas and uh, Jason Rosario. I mean, that's going to be just exciting to see both those teenagers in, in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, both those guys, I think, have a lot of hype. And, I mean... That's taking nothing away from Trey Carter and Jack Swinski, who both had good, solid seasons last year as well. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at the infield, I mean, it, it's a, really a bunch of 18-year-olds. I mean, you got Gabriel Arias, Ronaldo Larraza, Justin Lopez, Asturi Ruiz. I mean, all guys that are either 18 or, I mean, in Lopez's case, he's still 17. Arias just turned 18. Uh, Ruiz is, I think, just shy of, or just turned 19. So... Those guys are all teenagers. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how playing time shakes out because there's four guys there with three positions. I mean, most play second. Arias plays short. I think both Lopez and Ilaraza play a little short, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how playing time shakes out. Um, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Arias gets some time at third as well. I think they're going to kind of cycle them through, kind of like they did last year in Tri-City because they had so many of those same guys there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it's going to kind of be interesting to see how that shakes out. For sure. Uh, Asturio Ruiz is definitely someone to keep an eye on. 
uh, could really develop and, and could really take his uh, game into the next level and eventually end up in Lake Elsinore at the end of the year. So that's somebody to look out for, somebody to look forward to. Uh, at this point, the, the farm system is just so logjammed, uh, packed with talent. It, it's hard for these players to, to move up uh, accordingly. It's just uh, it's just about timing at this point, right? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I mean, this isn't even including guys that are probably going to start in Tri-Cities later in the year, guys still in extended camp. Um, exactly. Obviously, like a guy like Blake Hunt didn't even make the roster. I mean, he'll probably be in extended camp, and we'll see if he you know, makes a makes a full-season team later in the season. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess we can mention Luis Camposano, who is going to probably be the starting catcher for Fort Wayne. Um, although Jalen Washington is kind of, kind of an interesting guy as well. I, I think he's he's got some versatility, so I think he plays a little catcher a little, and elsewhere as well. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out uh, long term. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's it's a definitely nice thing to have as far as depth is concerned, and and the Padres do have that. Uh, Luis Almanzar is someone who also will probably end up in Fort Wayne at some point. I know he has a little bit of an injury issue and is uh, starting off in Arizona and extended as well. So there's a, a lot to look forward to in Fort Wayne. Uh, let's move up to the Lake Elsinore Storm, which I am currently seeing take batting practice as we speak. Uh, exciting time here in Lake Elsinore. Uh, a lot of young uh, young pitchers coming up. Uh, Pedro Avila, uh, Reggie Lawson, Adrian Morahone, uh, Austin Smith is here. Hansel Rodriguez. There, there's there's some excitement with the, with this uh, team. I think a lot of it has to be centered around Hudson Potts, who will be uh, probably the center of the offense at this point in Lake Elsinore. Uh, give me your thoughts about the Storm roster and anyone in particular that you're excited to see. I mean, yeah, we talked about how Fort Wayne's pitching staff is going to be stacked. I think you could say the same for Elsinore. I mean, you got Avila, Morajon, Lawson, um, Ronald Bolanos, um, probably Baez at some point, maybe Paddock as well. And then you see some of the Fort Wayne guys as they start to trickle up as the season goes on. Um, Hansel Rodriguez, <clears throat> Hansel Rodriguez, interesting bullpen piece. Uh, Doris Valdez, who had a strong season uh, with Fort Wayne last year, he's an interesting piece. Uh, David mm-hmm. Bednar, who is now a top 30 prospect according to MLB Pipeline, uh, he's in the back the back uh, part of that list. Uh, he's an interesting exactly. kind of bullpen arm. Uh, Lake Batcher is a guy I like. Um, really, the whole roster is just guys I like in terms of the pitching staff. Um, you got Marcus Green and Luis Torrens as the catchers, which is going to be kind of interesting to see how that playing time sh- plays out. Uh, Marcus Green was obviously the guy in Fort Wayne last year. Torrens was kind of a you know just the guy that on the big league roster because he had to be. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think Hudson Potts is going to lead the offense. Uh, uh, Igai Rosario is interesting. Uh, Kelvin Melian, another international signee. He's in, both guys were kind of in Fort Wayne or Tri City last year, so they're getting kind of a, a move up. Both still, I think, teenagers. Um, in the outfield, we got the newly acquired Edward Oliveras. Uh, that's gonna be interesting to see how he adjusts. Uh, mm-hmm. Ona's now in Lake Elsinore. He'll be an interesting one to watch. Buddy Reed as well. So, like I said, there's there's guys throughout the system to watch, and this is just yet another team that looks pretty stacked on paper. Yeah, no, they, it's nice that they're going to have uh, both Oliveras and uh, Reed in the outfield here, being that uh, Lake Elsinore in left center is just mammoth. Uh, you know, taking seeing them taking some fielding, I noticed Oliveras in center and Reed in left. I don't know if that's by design or if that's just them taking uh, fielding in, in different positions. I'm not necessarily sure which who's going to play what, but if Buddy Reed is in left, it's still going to be valuable for this team because, like I said, the left center field gap here is, is tremendous. I mean, uh, it shoots from 328 all the way to... 380 in uh, in about 50 feet, so uh, it's uh, it's it's good stuff. It, it, the Lake Elsinore Storm uh, are going to have a great season. 
Uh, I look forward to talking to a couple of the players today. Uh, we'll get you some uh, information uh, shortly on them. Uh, let's move to San Antonio, where the missions are going to be enjoying. Uh, this is their last year as an affiliate, right, Patrick? Is it next year that they're moving on to AAA? Yeah, next year they'll be uh, a AAA team. So this is the last year, I guess, as the Padres' AA affiliate. Nice. So the last year of the San Antonio missions uh, for a Padre affiliate. Uh, a lot of excitement there as, as Fernando Tatis will lead the way there. Uh, give us a little bit about their roster and what to expect from that young team. I mean, once again, another another pitching staff with a lot of interesting names. I mean, Logan Allen, Cal Quantrill. Um, Cal Quantrill, in- interestingly, is going to start back at AA, which I think w- was a little bit to be expected because I think he struggled a little bit when compared to his peers, uh, Lauer, Lucchese, and even Nix to an extent. Um, mm-hmm. Miguel Diaz will be starting at AA. That's going to be interesting to watch his development as he gets you know, some minor league time after uh, being a Rule 5 selection last year. Uh, Jesse Schultons is the guy I like. Uh, he's not really a kind of high-profile prospect, but I think he's an interesting arm. Uh, Brad Week, one of our favorites. Uh, Rowan Wick, <laughs> TJ Weir. Uh, I call them the three W's. Uh, they're going to be in the bullpen, those three. Um, Robert Stock, who a lot of people wanted to be uh, on the big league roster out of spring training. He'll be there. Uh, Jerry Keel. Um, let's see who else. we got Kobe Blueberg, uh, who was on uh, Elsinore last year. Jose Castillo, same thing with him. Just mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, a lot of good arms, a lot, a lot of depth there. Um, behind the plate, Austin Allen, a guy I liked uh, played in Lake Elsinore last year. Uh, infield looks kind of similar. Ty France, Josh Naylor, Tatis, uh, River Stevens, and Peter Van Gansen. Um, in the out- in the outfield, we got Michael Geddes, who finally made his way out of High A. I mean, it seemed like he'd been there for like five years. I know it was only like a year and a half, but it seemed like he was in Elsinore for a while. Uh, Rod <laughs> Boinkin, also from Lake Elsinore, moving up. And then Austin Bousfield, who spent a good amount of time in uh, San Antonio last year, but was spent most of his year in Elsinore. And then we got a guy named Forrest Alday, who I will admit I had not heard of prior to seeing the roster released. He was uh, in the Angels system last year, uh, just kind of outfield depth sort of guy. Um, so overall, maybe the weakest maybe the weakest um, team up and down compared when compared to the lower levels. I mean, sure, you got guys like Quantrill and Tatis, but I think overall probably, probably a bit weaker in terms of like prospect impact compared to the others. But... Still some guys to watch here, and still some some good depth as well. Yeah, I know. I know uh, the bullpen should be pretty solid, and, and there's there's players and there's pitchers in the, in the San Antonio bullpen that could very easily be in the uh, El Paso Chihuahuas bullpen. So uh, it's exciting, and I know Brad Wick was pretty disappointed about uh, starting off in San Antonio, being that he had some uh, major league uh, experience this spring. But it again, it's just the fact that this team is just has so much depth. I mean. Buddy Bowman didn't even make the team, and, and he's uh, in AAA right now. So, uh, speaking of which, let's get into the El Paso Chihuahuas roster. Uh, mix of veteran, not necessarily too many young players uh, there currently, but we should expect to see some young players shortly, right? Yeah, a lot of a lot of older guys for the most part. I mean, guys that probably could be in the big leagues: Buddy Bowman, Colton Brewer. Probably will both get calls at some point. Um, Eric Lauer is probably one of the younger guys on the team. Um, he'll probably get some big league experience this year. Brett Kennedy, Chris Huffman, Kyle Lloyd, all kind of those quad A type pitchers who might get some big league time, but they could be overshadowed by the likes of Lauer, Lucchese, Quantrill. Um, Walker Lockett kind of fits into that as well. Phil Maton, who probably will end up back in the bigs this year, is working out some things. Trey Wingenter, Eric Yardley are both guys who could see some big league time. Um, so, yeah, once again, another pretty solid pitching staff all around. I mean, El Paso's... Kind of a pain to pitch in, but I think there's there's definitely some talent uh, on that roster. Um, you got Rafi Lopez behind the plate. 
I mean, he wasn't on the on their roster, you know, last week, and now he is. Uh, so we'll see how long that sticks. Uh, infield, not a lot to really look at. I mean, Luis Urias probably the, the main one to look at. Javi Guerra making the or making the jump to AAA, which is kind of surprising. Uh, we'll see how he adjusts if he can kind of start to hit a little bit better. Um, in the outfield, some big league experience. Uh, Travis Jankowski, Shane Peterson, both ample big league experience. Nick Schultz has some big league experience. Uh, Fran Mel Reyes is a bit of an interesting guy. We can kind of see what what he's made of. I'd expect Franchi Cordero to join this crew at, at some point uh, whenever he gets fully healthy. But, I mean, one, once again, I think there's some interesting pieces here, but not nearly as intriguing as the lower levels of the system. No, yeah, the the, the depth and, and the majority of the talent is at the lower levels. Uh, a lot of it will be in the, in the AZL and, and in the DSL uh, for some in some aspects, but uh, there's still exciting time. It's still an exciting time and still fun to, to just dream about what this team can be uh, and will eventually be uh, being that the major league team is 0 and 4 currently. So let's move in and transition into the San Diego Padres and the fact that they are on pace for a 0 and 162 game season. Uh, Patrick, give me your thoughts so far on on the team. You know, they very easily could be two and two. Obviously, in the game of baseball, it's a game of inches. Things happen. Things don't break necessarily your way, and that's the difference in, in ball games. But uh, give me your thoughts on this major league team and um, what you've seen so far from it. Man, if I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say Owen 162, I would probably be a <laughs> billionaire and I could buy the team. Um, but yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen good things so far. I've seen some not-so-good things. Um, I'm just not – I guess I'm not panicking. I see a lot of people panicking, like, oh, my God, this team is terrible. And it's like yeah, – well, really. I mean, if I was expecting them to compete, maybe I would panic. But even if even if I was expecting them to compete, I don't think I would panic because you can't really judge a team or, or any sort of player after four games. It's a very, very small sample size. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if they continue to play poorly through a whole month, then you can start to make bigger conclusions, although – Given how uh, tough their schedule is for the remainder of the month and really into May, I mean, we could see a pretty rough go of it the first month and a half, yeah. two months. So yeah. I'm not yeah. really expecting too much, and I think that's the right place you need to be is just not expecting too much. And maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised, and if not, I mean, at least you expected it, right? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. This team wasn't necessarily going to compete. They, they shouldn't be competing. It's about development. It's about chemistry and and organizing that and putting this franchise into the right state of mind so you know 0-4 is 0-4 they could very easily very easily win their next four and be 500 and we wouldn't even have to talk about this anymore but let's focus on the fact that this is a young team uh they're trying to find their way uh andy green's still experimenting a little bit with the lineup um let's talk about that i i'd love to hear i know you're a big aswahi guy do you think that he's a, a number five hitter? Do you think that that's a good spot for him at this point? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Just no. Okay. I don't. Do I, do uh, I need to elaborate? No, yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's a great fit for him. I mean, normally in those late, normally like the five or even a six spot, you want a, maybe a more of a power guy, a guy who can kind of get the extra bit hit. I mean, I think Aswahe is more of a table setter to me, and I know they like uh-huh, uh-huh. they like Margot at the top, followed by Hosmer and Myers, or sorry, Myers and Hosmer. But I think Aswahi would probably better fit in that two-hole um, because he does work a walk. He does see a lot of pitches. I mean, he does work the count. He's pretty mm-hmm. consistent in those things. So I would I would rather see Aswahi there than where he, you know, further down the line. Do you got a bird next to you? 
Well, I am on the open. So yeah. I hear like a, I hear a little chirping. Uh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> sorry. I, I don't particularly like a Swahe there, but I mean, I'm not really too you know bent out of shape about it. But I have been yeah. impressed with a Swahe so far. I mean, his walk rate and K rate are the same. He's making contact about 80% of the time. Not not swinging through too many pitches. He's making hard contact about 50% of the time. Um, not hitting for above, not hitting for a lot of power, but he's he's been a just above league average hitter through the first um, you know couple games. So I think that's really what you expect from him. So I've been pleasantly surprised so far. I mean, sure he's been overshadowed a bit by Corey Spangenberg, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but I think yeah. so far he's he's done what he needs to do to kind of show he's can be a, a major league player. Whether that's a you know bench piece long term, that's probably gonna be more likely. But I think right now it's it's been nice to see him performing. Yeah, no, I I agree totally. I think that ultimately he fits perfectly in that two spot if you have. Myers, Aswahe, or uh, Margot, Aswahe, Myers, and Hosmer, you still keep that left-right-left momentum that you want, and and you extend the lineup a little bit. So, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. I don't know what Andy Green's thought process is in having Aswahe at five. Maybe he wants someone to battle uh, protecting Hosmer or someone to protect Hosmer that can battle up there. Uh, We'll have to see. Look for some changes. I I would expect him to adjust the lineup uh, accordingly and kind of move things around. Um, let's move into Corey Spangenberg, who you brought up, uh, has been showing the same power that he displayed last season. Uh, you know, in, in 400 to 500 at bats, uh, a 20 home run season doesn't seem out of the question for Spangenberg and at a position like second, that, that that's pretty valuable. I, I mean, I know we have a Swahe and we like a Swahe there, but it, it's just, uh, will the real Corey Spangenberg stand up and will he stay consistent? Uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if he can if he can hit for power, I mean, he can honestly play third base, which is really what the Padres need long term because they don't have a third baseman. Um, I mean, uh-huh. second base you think is covered once Luis Urias comes up, which should be this year if you really think about it. But um, uh, I I think Spangenberg's defense is still a bit shaky at third, so that's that's a bigger concern for me. I, I think he can probably hit enough to get by in the infield at least for the short term. Uh, I'm not sure if he's a starting third baseman, you know, on a playoff caliber team. That's going to remain to be seen, but. I do like what I'm seeing from him so far. I mean, it's small sample size. Obviously, he's only has eight, he only has eight play appearances, so we can't really read too much into it. But, I mean, his isolated power is eight, 857, so that's pretty solid. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a small sample size, but still, you yeah, he's you've got, got to be runs, impressed. So. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I would love to see a platoon with him and being in wave at third. If we could find a taker for Chase Headley, I think that's, that's what the Padres and what A.J. Preller is trying to do. At this point, I don't think they necessarily want to cut him. You know, we've talked about Headley and his value and what he means to the team as far as defense. I mean, the opening day he made that smash in the first inning. He, he turned that smash into a double play. Uh, but let's let's talk about the fact that he's just he's not a long term fixture for this team. He's he's getting old. I mean, quite frankly. And at this point, when are the Padres going to consider cutting him? if they can't find a taker for him. I mean, yeah, I, I would probably just cut him. I mean, I still think he's a viable big league player, but I just don't see his place on the roster. And mm-hmm. honestly, I wouldn't mind just trading him to a team even if you have to eat the money. I mean, just get him off the roster because I'm sure there's some team that would take him for free, you know? You know? So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at right now, and I, I just don't see the – I don't see him building value to be a trade piece. So I'd rather just, you know, just kind of jettison him now and move forward with Spangenberg and Villanueva getting lots of playing time. Um, and it's kind of ironic. The two worst hitters on the Padres team by WRC plus are Chase Headley and Christian Villanueva. I mean, Christian nice. Villanueva has only had four plate appearances, so yeah, not yeah. the fairest thing to say, but no, 
Yeah, those two have been not great so far, I guess to say the least. Um, Heavy's Heavy's gotten a lot of flack, definitely, I think. But, um, yeah, I I think the likely scenario is that Spangenberg and Villanueva need to see everyday playing time, whether it's them splitting time or one of them getting the reins. I think at least one of them needs to be playing pretty, pretty consistently. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, we need to determine whether or not Spangenberg's a viable major league player in, in the near future, and, and the same determination needs to be done for for Christian Villanueva. I mean, and they're not going to get it by getting sporadic playing time. You're not going to get that evaluation. You need to see them every day. You need to see them against left-handed and right-handed pitchers, against closers, against uh, aces, against players that are, are really top-notch professionals. So, uh, it's 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 a tough thing for a rebuilding club to be stuck with a veteran like Headley. Um, I, we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's still early April. We're only four games in. Uh, I'm sure AJ Preller is definitely working the phones. Uh, let's move on to the work to the pitching staff. Uh, Brian Mitchell last night. Um, he was effective at, at times. You know, I, I talked to him in the spring and he mentioned to me that he enjoys getting ahead of hitters. He enjoys working ahead of the count. And, you know, last night, uh, Mark Grant made mention of uh, numerous times where he was basically pounding the strike zone right in the middle of the strike zone. So uh, I would expect to see some adjustments from him. I would expect to see Darren Balzi and Doug Bockler work with him on hitting more of the corners and not necessarily trying to blow everyone away because he doesn't have 99, 100-mile-per-hour stuff. His, his fastball is in the mid-90s. It, it's definitely serviceable, but you can't throw the ball down the middle to major league hitters on a consistent basis because they are going to tattoo it like they did last night. Yeah, I mean, he had, I think, I think it was four, he had four, he had four swing and misses all night out of like 96 pitches, which is not going to get the oh, job wow. done. Um, wow. Yeah, so he, he was not very consistent with his location. His command was shoddy. Um, every time he left the ball over the plate, it was getting hit. I mean, if you watch the game back, which I, I, I was doing actually before the podcast, it seemed like every time AJ Ellis had a spot, Mitchell was not hitting the spot, and it was pretty consistent in yes. being far from the spot. I mean, there was times where Ellis was setting up, you know, inside, and he hits it over the plate, or he's setting up high, and he end, ends up leaking over the plate. So, I think the big thing with him was command, and there was a lot of pitches that he wasn't controlling in the zone. He was, if you look at his kind of uh, strike, his chart for the game, his pitch chart, uh, there was a lot, a lot of pitches down and out. So he was throwing a lot of pitches out of the strike zone. They just weren't biting on him. I mean, his curveball wasn't biting. Um, his cutter just wasn't really fooling anybody, and they kind of just sat there, and when the ball was in the zone, they smashed it, and, I mean, he was giving up a lot of good contact. I mean, not a lot of hard contact, but he was definitely giving up a good amount of medium contact, so that was noticeable. Um, one thing I will say, though, is he did get a, a good amount of ground balls. He was limiting kind of the elevated balls. I mean, there was obviously a couple home run. I think there was, was he gave up one home run and a couple a couple deep flies, but but I think overall he was a good he did a good job of, of you know limiting the uh, the launch angle so to speak, which yeah, is good. Yeah. And I mean he did have a few walks which are going to hurt you, but I think no. I think there's enough there to see potential, and I think that's what they saw when they acquired him. It's just a matter of working with Darren Balsley, and I think I think it's I think it's some honestly I think it's something wrong with the release point because when you see when you see his pitching, he seems like he's forcing it too much and he's he's missing his spots and the ball's moving a lot. Um, so I, I think there's something wrong with the release points. So if he can make some tweaks and work that out, I think he'll he'll be a lot better off going forward. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a work in progress for sure. I mean, he hasn't uh, had a lot of uh, time as a major league starter. He only made one start last season for the Yankees, so it's going to take some time. But you definitely see the potential. Uh, we'll have to see if he's able to make the adjustments. 
Uh, has a move been made for Tyson Ross, who's being called up for today's start? I haven't been online today. Have you seen anything on that, Patrick? I have heard nothing, which is kind of interesting. But okay, so let's uh, let's move into let's move into Luis Perdomo. Uh, not necessarily speculating that he's going to be the one sent down, although it could be. Um, his start the other day, uh, he just continues to be an enigma. He re- he really does. I have to question whether or not Perdomo needs to develop. Well, we all know he needs to develop a third pitch in, in some aspects, but. I'm kind of wondering if Luis Perdomo needs to start throwing a four-seamer. I saw him in spring in a uh, B-squad game and a a side session. Uh, You know, he's got great movement on his ball. He's got great velocity, but everything's down in the zone. And in this day and age where we talked about, you just talked about launch angle, everyone's trying to hit up on the ball and drive the ball. And, you know, he does get a share of ground balls, but you have to wonder if maybe a four-seamer will kind of change eye angles on hitters and, and maybe get him a little more swing and misses that, that we need and, and kind of just get people off of his low-pounding strikes that they kind of just hammer after a while. Uh, your thoughts on that? I, I don't know, just something that kind of came to me in watching his start the other night. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to – I'm probably on the um, – a bit of a, a rare opinion on this, but I, I want to actually defend Perdomo. I think he's gotten a lot of flack, but – if you look uh-huh. at the perif- if you look at the peripheral numbers from the one start, I mean, it was a lot better than what it seemed like. I mean, if you look at his strikeout rate, it was pretty solid. Um, if you look at his FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, so basically it only takes into account uh, things the pitcher can actually control, so strikeouts, home runs, uh, that sort of thing. So it doesn't it doesn't kind of take into account all the balls in play because there's a lot of you know luck with balls in play as as we kind of use with BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play. So th- his BABIP I think was near 600, so meaning that. On balls in play, he was giving up a 600 average, which obviously is not something that's going to be sustainable. So it's not going to be something that's going to continue. Um, the league average is more around 300, 350. So most pitchers sit in that range, uh, even even perhaps lower for the better pitchers. Um, so I would not be surprised if he sees a regression on that. Obviously, as he goes on, and I, I think he's I think he looked a lot better than what he showed. Um, the the two red flags I had was the walk rate. He did walk a lot of guys. I think it was like four or five walks. Um, and then when he was giving up contact, it was hard contact, which is something that you kind of got to consider. Um, obviously, the ideal is that pitchers give up soft contact. So when you're giving up too much hard contact, that's going to kind of do you in. But uh, I'm willing to give him a bigger leash than just one start because I think people are um, I think people are overlooking the fact that although his ERA was over four last year, given the run environment, he was a league average pitcher last year. When you when you rank all pitchers by ERA, I mean he was top fifty in all of baseball for pitchers. Mm-hmm. That threw at least 150 innings. So, I mean, he was durable, he was consistent, and people don't really value that, I think, the way they should because yeah. we always want the pitchers, you know, I want a pitcher with a three ERA. But in this environment, I mean, a pitcher with a you know an ERA around four, four and a half that can pitch 200 innings, or, I mean, he only threw 160 last year, um, probably given some some limit, some limit limits because of how young he is and how he didn't really pitch full seasons prior to that. But, I mean, mm-hmm. when you think about what he was able to provide last year, I mean, that's a valuable player, whether people really want to, like, see that or not i think that's really yeah. the disconnect here is that they expect you know immediate and same thing with brian mitchell i mean i think people expect immediate you know impact and it's like these guys might take a, a, some time i mean same with joe lucchese i mean he, there were some flashes of brilliance and some flashes of you know struggles and that's going to be something that i think there's going to be growing pains for these guys and perdomo's a guy who never pitched above high a so he never really got a proper minor league development so it's really hard to judge him too harshly on what he is, and yeah, maybe he does need time in AAA or AA, and I would totally probably agree with that. I mean, it wouldn't hurt him, 
Um, but I'm not really willing to write him off completely and say this guy can't be a you know useful big league starter because he has been a useful big league starter. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you completely, and I understand completely. Uh, you know, when you think about it, he's probably one of the only pitchers on the staff who's guaranteed to approach 160 to 100 innings pitch this year with, you know, maybe Clayton Richard. You know, Mitchell's got a little bit of a question mark. Lucchese is going to have probably an innings limitation at some point. The uh, other young pitchers are going to have uh, uh, limitations as well. So, you know, you, you want him to go out there and you want him to eat innings. You want him to go out there and, and get experience. And if it's at a major league level, then so be it. He's going to get some lumps. He's going to get hit every once in a while. But for the most part, he's going to be able to get the job done. And, and hopefully progress. And that, that's most importantly what we need to see from this young man. I mean, you said it yourself, he never pitched above single A. So to expect to him to show the progressions that a, a double A, triple A pitcher are, are, are experienced is, is unrealistic. So we're just going to have to calm down, Padre fans. We're not winning the World Series this year. Luis Perdomo is not favored for the Cy Young. So let's just take it easy on him and kind of just let things unfold. Uh, if we're... 10 starts in and he's got a 6 ERA, then, then maybe we can start talking about this. But at this point, it, it's pretty foolish to, to say anything about him in my in my, uh, in my my estimation. Yeah, I think the big thing is the walks. If he can get the walks down, I would give him a pretty long leash. I mean, if he continues to walk four or five batters a game, I think that's when you've got to make a move. Yeah, um, but yeah. for the short term, I think he deserves at least three or four or five starts to really settle in before you make any rash decisions about kind of who he's going to be. Definitely, definitely. It's... Uh, it's just you just gotta have to you have to have patience when you're talking about developing a young team and developing a young organization. So uh, have patience, Padre fans. Please have patience. That's uh, hard. I am current. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely hard. It, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I am currently watching the pitchers take batting practice right now on the Lake Elsinore Storm, which is kind of fascinating. Um, media day is about a half an hour away. I shall be contacting and talking to a number of these players and getting you some information on them. Uh, anybody in particular, Patrick, that you are interested in hearing from, from this storm roster? I know I am curious to talk to Marcus Green as well as Austin Smith. I think Hudson Potts would be the big one. I mean, yeah, big, that's, that's the obvious one. Yeah. It's going to be a big year for him. I mean, the Potters have nothing in terms of third baseman in the in the pipeline. No. Unless you think you, about these 18-year-olds that might convert to third at some point. Yes. If Tatis I, converts I'm, to third. But. No, I'm, I'm currently doing our top five uh, prospects at third base, and I have uh, Heron at third, and I have Egay. E, uh, Is it Egay or Egway? Eggy Rosario. Is Eggy like egg? I'm, I'm looking at the Lake Elsinore pronunciations. It's Eggy. And your boy Lake Bachar is pronounced Lake Bakker. Oh, it's not Bashar. It's Bakker. B O C K dash E R is how the pronunciation is. So it's almost like so, Doug Bockler. Basically, yeah. We we butchered his name for for years and years. Uh, I mean, I was calling <laughs> I was calling Michelle Baez Michael for a half a year. Or so yeah, and then we have the, the Lucchese the Lucchese thing that I finally learned how to say. Lucchese. So. <laughs> Don't get me started. You might. You might <laughs> you okay, might so send me the wrong way. Before um, I before I get you out of here, though, I want to talk about Will Myers briefly. Is that cool? Yeah, let's go for it. I know I've given him a hard time, but I've actually been somewhat surprised, some, somewhat pleasantly surprised with his kind of performance so far. Obviously, the numbers don't really bear it out. I mean, he's got a ninety-eight WRC plus, so he's been pretty, you know, even. 
even keel overall but i want to shout out his he's got a league lead or league leading uh team leading 86 percent contact rate so he's been the best at contact on the whole team and he's wow. also got the lowest swinging strike rate at 7.7 percent so those two things you don't really expect hmm. from will myers um so i'm kind of pleasantly okay. surprised that he's been showing i think a little bit better uh, plate discipline, I want to say. His strikeout rate's at 16%, which a small sample size, obviously. He has yet yeah. to walk, which is one thing to, to kind of be uh, concerned over. Um, but overall, but him and Perel, I think, have actually pretty pretty similar numbers. Those two are the top two in contact and the top two in swinging strike rate. And their K rates are both you know lower than you would expect. And then both have not walked yet. So interesting to see how that's going to play out um, between those two. I think that's interesting kind of some some stats I'm looking at early on here. Uh, just kind of curious to see. Yeah, it's it's really early to to look into stats, but no, there it's it's that's definitely interesting to know that he's making some sort of adjustments. I know it's only four games in, but it's still interesting to see those kind of adjustments. It's uh, it's you know we'll have to wonder if playing the outfield is 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 giving him a little more time to focus. But I, I don't know. We'll 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 just have to wait to see. You know, it is early. Uh, you know, you're looking at like the exit velocities for the top five guys or something so far, and there's some some crazy names in there. I mean, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Danny Valencia is leading the way, followed by Matt Davidson, Lurie Garcia, Nick Hunley, and Matt Adams are the top. Yeah, uh, Nick five, Hunley. The top five in exit velocity right now. So things are obviously going to change. Uh, it's just it's it's early to kind of uh, crunch these stats, but it's still fascinating to, to I hear mean, them. Yeah, I posted this earlier. The top two guys in exit velocity for the Padres are also the t- the two worst in launch angle. That's Corey Spangenberg and Eric Hosmer, and huh. then the top two guys in launch angle are two of the worst in uh, exit velocity, and that would be uh, Austin Hedges and AJ Ellis. Although AJ Ellis is only has a few at bats, so kind of interesting that you, you ideally want launch angle and exit velocity to go together but for the Padres it seems to be quite the opposite <laughs> yeah exactly it's, we, we live in bizarre world here in, in Padre Nation that's for sure um, anything else we need to get through before I get out of here Patrick um, I just wanted to plug my I'm going to be doing like the daily stats as I was doing last year so I'll be trying to keep that up daily of just updates on you know what Padres are doing what just to kind of keep everyone you know informed of how everyone's doing uh, i'll be trying to do that daily just to kind of get that out there um i'll also be trying to do some new stuff with some new stats i've kind of come across and started to use a little bit more so i mean i'm going to be pushing that as much as i can but uh other than that nice. i think we nice. we discussed what we needed to discuss today nice uh there will definitely be some new aspects to the site some new uh new things that we're trying out here and there so definitely give us some feedback and let us know your thoughts because we always appreciate that uh, I think I'm good to go, Patrick. Uh, you can go ahead and take us out of here. Uh, we are the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we're hosted on Podbean, as always. You can find us there. Uh, give us a like, a review. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you could review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. That lets more people find the show. Um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Google Play, um, anywhere, we'll, we'll be there. You can find us there. Uh, we're on Twitter at EVT Podcast if you want to follow the show. Um, if you want to follow the site, that's EVT underscore news. If you want to follow James, that's EVT underscore J Clark. If you want to follow me, that's Patrick Brewer 93. Like I said, I'm going to try to post daily stats, uh, stat roundup for every, every player. I'll also be doing the same for prospects. Once the, uh, minor league season gets going, I have my, uh, my top 30 prospect list, and I'm also going to do some guys that aren't on the top 30 list, uh, guys, guys worth watching. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Thank you so much folks for the support. East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. 
Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Ask them. Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast.